Flavor Odyssey is brought to you by Drew Estate, the rebirth of cigars, and Smokin' Cigars, voted number one in selection and customer service. A Flavor Odyssey. And now from Cigar Dojo Studio Lot B, your hosts, Robbie Raz and Randy Griggs. Boys. Yeah, Robbie, that'd be you. And the <laughs> Odyssey continues. Are we live again? <laughs> Nobody told me we're live. Oh, my goodness. And the Odyssey continues. What's up, Dojo Nation? Welcome to another episode. Jordan, you didn't give me a heads up. I did. You probably did. I just didn't hear it. Uh, welcome to another episode of Flavor Odyssey. I'm your host, Robbie Raz. This is our co-host, Randy Griggs. We are coming to you live from Lot B as I pull my headphones out of my ear and Lot B minus out here in uh, sunny California. Randy, how are you feeling today? I am absolutely ecstatic. Having a great day. Uh, enjoying uh, some nice weather out here in California and excited about the pairing today. Obviously, I did a, a little uh, how-to video earlier in the week on my homemade uh, creamer. So hopefully everybody got a chance to check that out and is going to join us today for uh, a pairing I'm really excited about. You did. You did a, a little video. And I'll be honest, I had trepidations. Go, going into the video, Randy, I was a little nervous. But uh, you pulled it off very nicely, and this creamer that you make, although I'll tell you, making these coffee ice cubes, for whatever reason, turned out to be a gigantic pain in my tuchus. <laughs> um, well, as, as I said on the video, I'm, I'm lucky enough that my beautiful wife actually makes my coffee ice cubes for me. Mm. So um, I, I, I empathize, but I, I can't really feel your pain. I mean, honestly, I, I had to make coffee and pour it into an ice tray. I don't know why I feel like it's such a big thing. But, uh, and, and I did it this morning. I mean, it's not like I put a lot of time into it. But I've got my little, uh, you know, I say little. This is probably like 30 ounces of coffee here. I will not be sleeping until Friday, and we are fired up, ready to go. Uh, Randy, we are still on the, the, uh, the odyssey, if you will, for a perfect pairing of uh, – the Connecticut wrapper, and today we're jumping into a cigar that I uh, I personally really enjoy. Uh, posted my review on the Cigar Dojo. Um, I think it's the only review, Randy, I've written for the Cigar Dojo. As we've discussed, I've only written one, and uh, Jordan gets very upset with me every day. But uh, we'll get into that in a second. Let's uh, check in with the boys back at the home studio in 
Uh, just outside of Denver, Colorado, boys. What's yes. happening? Up, boys? You guys are almost matching again. It is adorable. We are not thing. matching. And, you know, the last, like, three days in a row, we were matched. Every, ever since last week, we've matched every hey, man, single you know, day. Jordan just, he wants to, you know, he wants to, wants to emulate like He wants to emulate me, and that's totally understandable. I mean, I would, too, if I were him. What can you do? I'm hot. I'm hot. I didn't have the right pairing today, boys, so I'm just going to go ahead and say my pairing right now. But uh, this is just my take on a Steve's Saka cigar and coffee and cream. So I'm going with a Totus Las Dias. And check this out. From Station 26 Brewing in here in Colorado, it's Mud Season Coffee and Cream Ale. Now, how creative is that? Thank you, Matt, for bringing this over. Matt brought this over. So uh, we'll... It's like the, this is like the only time I've only seen a, one other time where there was a coffee beer that wasn't pitch black. And the other time was Robbie's uh, Laughing Monk beer, um, but I couldn't. I didn't have a, a Dunbarton cigar at all. I blame Steve for that. <laughs> didn't send him fast enough. Uh, oh my God. Wow! <laughs> but, I mean, just so wow. I'm going. I'm going to go uh, Hoya Classico in like this little teeny little guy. Very, that's a like good. A that is a good three, replacement. I think four gauge or something. Yeah. I will say that is bordering on a Lancero, Steve, which I think we have Steve Saka here in the studio to announce the upcoming Brulee Lancero, Steve. Tell us all about it. What the heck? <laughs> Wait a minute. What a cheap bastard. Did buy a cigar? He's going to wait to get freebies. Uh, <laughs> it's about reviews and whether sponsorship matters. You got your answer right. Okay. Uh, I said everything you needed to know. What a cheap little fuck. I, I, I'm scared to try to emulate you, Eric. He's his only hope in hell. What sort of heathen are you raising over uh, there? Totally, dude. You I are. not beat him enough as a child. You are, <laughs> you are 100% right. 100%. I'll just Go kick on. myself off the show. <laughs> See you guys. Wah, wah. Well, so got... The cigars that Rob and I are smoking, I'd like to give a shout out to Smoke In and Abe Dabna out there, who's a show sponsor and, and provided uh, the show cigars for this. And we are gr- extremely grateful uh, for that partnership with Smoke In. Uh, Rob. Right. Well said. Thank you. Uh, Smoke In is one of the best, uh, one of the best uh, online. And they, I, they've got a, a great location as well. Yeah. Uh, I've never been. But uh, I have I've been a frequent uh, purchaser from them online. Do a fantastic job. We're smoking Steve, the Sober Mesa Brulee, and uh, this one uh, this came out what last year? Yeah, last uh, came out uh, last trade show. Last trade show. Okay. We started shipping them almost immediately. Yeah. I can't really look. There's so much has happened since then, but. If I remember right, those were pretty much delivered like the month of the trade show, like by late yeah. July. They started getting out there. Yeah, it was it was one of those cigars, and everybody went into the show um, really excited about. For me, I always remember this was my first trade show back after uh, a couple of years with uh, Mombacho Cigars. And I remember going into this trade show. It was the Sobre Mesa Brulee and the Baca from Roma Craft. Those were like the two big cigars that everybody was excited about. And, uh, well, I so think it was more like everyone was just curious how much I was going to screw up a, a Connecticut <laughs> cigar. I don't know if they were excited about it. They were just excited to see me fail. Uh, no, they, 
You know what? You may actually have a little bit of right there. I mean, it, it, it's it's well, kind of it's super American to be excited when somebody fails, right? Yeah, you know, and that way you have a chance at redemption. Yeah, so, even better. It's yeah, no, like, like Rocky loses and then he wins. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's 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 the it's the great American story. I don't, um, I don't make the, a lot of milder style cigars, so I think that was kind of more. You know, could Sokka actually make something that was mild and worth smoking? Yeah, absolutely. This was uh, way outside of your uh, of your comfort zone. Um, and I know I was particularly uh, excited to see it. But there's been, Randy, some um, conflicting reports maybe about this cigar, which kind of gets into why Steve is here. But, you know, is it? Is it not? Does it have? Well, that's not true. I was, first off, to go back to the whiny little brat's comment. <laughs> The reason why the cigars didn't get there in time for the show was I was not supposed to be on this show. Okay. I'm supposed to be on a show in like two weeks, I think. Okay. Totally improbable. So, and I think according to his wise father, he said that he's got the delivery notification already coming for those. So I think I'm perfectly on par here. I think I'm, I'm okay. And the only reason I'm here tonight is because I saw you were doing a show with the brulee and coffee pairing. And I'm making a big brulee announcement tomorrow. And I thought, well, heck, you guys are my friends. I'll call you up and I'll give you some news that you can talk about on the show instead of whatever dribble you were going to talk about. <laughs> and uh, and uh, next thing you know, here I am uh, on my 18th million podcast in the last 35 days. So uh, I, we, Steve, we appreciate I have, it. Steve. I've got a serious question for you. Yeah. Have, have you ever considered becoming a motivational speaker? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'd make a good drill sergeant. I think that would be, you know. Yeah. Two different things. Yeah. Two different things. It was motivating. I was in boot camp, you know, about 200 pounds ago. <laughs> All right. So we're talking about the brulee. Steve, right. you've got uh, some. I'm going to let you tell everybody what is happening. I think we go back to what we were originally going to say. There's been some discussions exactly. since inception that some people believe that, you know, that I'm that I'm enhancing the cigar, that I'm adulterating the tobacco, that I'm intentionally making a sweet tip cigar. And I keep telling people that I haven't and that I don't. And it's very, you know, it's mixed opinions. There's some people that swear I'm just lying. And there's other people, I mean, even Charlie Manata when he did his review, and he tastes fucking potato chips and, you know, lint from 1932 in cigars even he said he didn't believe it was a sweet tip cigar so i mean if he doesn't think it's sugar tipped i i don't know who i gotta convince but separate of that and of course i played along with it i mean i made some funny videos you know and um, and honestly i kind of like the controversy because look if that's what it takes to motivate someone to try something then in the end that's good because you're gonna decide whether you like it or you don't like it but you can't make that decision until you try it. Absolutely. So if this question of whether I have sweetened it or not sweetened it motivates someone to try the cigar, then really that's a good thing for me. Um, but honestly, I mean, I deal with it all the time. I mean, people, some people put it in as little snide comments because they're busting my balls. But then there's other people that like they generally, you know, retailers tell their consumers that, oh, yeah, this is a sweet tip cigar. And when it's factually not a sweet tip cigar. And that's a little bit of a problem, particularly in this upcoming post-September 9th FDA environment. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, like I had to make ingredient disclosures on it. 
So those are going to become public record. But then I guess they'll just say that I falsified the ingredient disclosures, right? <laughs> I mean, that's that's there is no end to the conspiracy, right? I agree, and I think that's great. Well, I mean, look, we got four of you here now. Other than the kid that can't afford cigars, obviously the other three of you have smoked it. I mean, what is your opinion? Do you think it is or it isn't? And it won't bother me if you say it is, but I mean, just what do you think? Do you think it is or is not, Sweet Tip? I'm going to answer last. I will go with, uh, I was uh, always of the mind that it was absolutely not Sweet Tipped. And I have literally... Oddly enough to say out loud, licked various portions of the cigar. <laughs> Randy, the cigar licker. Uh, because of the controversy, and I, and, and I love the way you, you've dealt with, with you know, the back and forth. And uh, you actually gave us a great rundown at IPCPR. Um, I was running cameraman. I don't know if you remember. I was the guy that uh, had you sideways for a while uh, when you were talking to Rob and, and, and explained the uh, the specific wrappers that you were choosing, that you were choosing uh, the B wrapper uh, as uh, or the BW wrapper, and and you kind of you made a point kind of for sweetness before we had ever even had a chance to try it. Uh, so I was always of the belief that it was not. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> No, he's not. He's not qualified to answer. Steve made that clear. <laughs> no, honestly, if you smoked the cigar, do you have an opinion? Share it. Okay. Had the like first few of them, I said for sure this is a sweetened tip for sure without question. Like it was so strong to me that I mean I could literally taste it the sweetness for you know minutes after I had you know had it in my mouth. But I agree with Jordan as we worked through the box, which I. I probably smoked more of those last summer than maybe any other cigar that I smoked because I loved that cigar. I tasted it less and less. And then last week I had one, and I didn't taste the sweetness at all. So make of that what you will. That's just my experience. And I... I now, now I feel like I should have answered earlier because I was the one who actually wrote the review on uh, Cigar Dojo and I was hellbent within the first, maybe not hellbent, some other people were more hellbent than I was, uh, within the first maybe six or seven of these that I smoked, Steve, that I could really taste it. Mm -hmm. And much like uh, Eric and the cheap kid have said, <laughs> if I, the, the further along I got, Jordan, you are going to be the cheap kid from now on, sorry. Uh, <laughs> the further I've moved down the road, and this is probably 15th or 16th of these that I've smoked, I don't taste it at all anymore. And I'm not just saying that because you're here. I'm, I mean, you, you could read my review. I, I say that you say that uh, it's not sweetened, and I have no reason to, uh, to not believe you other than my own taste buds. That was what I said in the review. And uh, I feel like we should probably go back and maybe review it again because I don't taste it anymore. Well, let me throw in a couple of things. First off, 
I agree the cigar is sweet. I mean, there's a reason why I named it brulee. Oh. Okay. I thought the tobacco was sweet. I get sweetness out of it. Okay. It's one of the reasons why I choose to use this really well-aged Connecticut shade. It's the reason why I chose to use the particular tobacco from the particular farm in the particular grade. So I'm not denying that there's sweet to, to it. There absolutely is. That's why I named it brulee. I would also argue that just by naming it brulee, it already kind of puts in your mind you got sweet in your head. And I know you say, oh, I don't get affected by this. But look, if somebody tells you something is, you know, this is a chocolate shake, honestly, if you took a vanilla shake and you dyed it brown, most people would tell you it's chocolate. Okay. The differences between vanilla and chocolate, you're saying, oh my God, I would never be able to tell. But I've been involved in making flavored cigars for a long, long time. There are a lot of chocolate cigars that are using vanilla flavoring to make them (laughs) chocolate cigars. Okay. Uh, you know, and this has been the case for the last three decades. So there's no doubt that the name also implies it. The other thing that I will use in my defense is the fact of the inconsistency in the sweetness, that some of them taste sweeter than other ones. And I would like to think, given the fact that I ran Drew Estate for so long, that I would at least know how to make a fucking sweet tip cigar consistently <laughs> sweet. You know what I mean? That I would be not so shitty at my job. That's that the best make, argument I've heard the whole time. And that That's I could the make them all the right sweetness <laughs> level consistently across the board. But no matter what I say, there's no way I can ever prove a negative, right? Sure. So... I decided, and this is the thing that I called you about that I said I was going to announce tomorrow, I'm going to announce now, is I'm going to make a special Sober Mesa Brulee sampler. And in that sampler is going to come three versions of the Brulee Toro. There will be a normal Brulee. There will be a single sweet-tipped Brulee. And then there will be a double sweet-tipped Brulee. And to make it more confusing, there will be five cigars in the sampler, So you won't know which is which. You won't know how many normal there are. You won't know how many single sweets there are. You won't know how many double sweets there are. But there's a guarantee to be at least one of each. And they're each going to be labeled with a band. And they're going to have letters on them. And they're going to be labeled as S, T, F, U, and exclamation. (laughs) It's going to be the STFU sampler which of course stands for Sokka's Taste for Yourself. Okay, it's what it stands for. And uh, we're going to be offering those to our retailers tomorrow to buy. And we're not going to tell consumers which is which until September 15th. I'll do a Facebook Live, and I will disclose which letter was what sweetness or no sweetness level. So that way, everybody that wants to, they can have the experience of tasting Single sweet tip, double sweet tip, no sweet tip. And then they can decide for themselves. It's not going to end the controversy. People are still going to accuse me of it, but at least I'm going to make some money off it, okay? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to make some money. I'm going to do a little Facebook Live thing, and hopefully it'll be a lot of fun. In fact, uh, I just spent uh, the last – this is literally like a last-minute thing, but I literally spent the last hour or so designing the very fancy label, if I could figure out where the camera is. Skype is a little slow. It's like there. there you go. go. Nice. <laughs> yes. so, so it'll be it'll be the STF. You remember that stands for Sokka's taste for yourself, of course. 
So who wants to point out that yourself starts with a Y? <laughs> no, I put U apostrophe R. Got it. Okay, yeah. We're, we're, we're it's, slang work in there. It's, it's yourself. Got yeah. it. You know what? So what? More grammar Nazis come after me. I, I lived through the totus lots of Dias slings and arrows. I can take it. You'll be just fine. You'll be just fine. I think that's awesome. I think it's that's a really cool idea. Um, and you're right. It's not going to uh, to stop people from saying that, well, maybe this one is sweet and then there's a double sweet and a triple sweet or whatever. But, you know, it's at least it gives people an idea of uh, of what a, of what if you really did have a sweet tip on there, what it's going to taste like. That's what I I'm actually say about say, put a Baccarat in your mouth or put a an acid Cuba Cuba in your mouth. It's a much different experience than putting a, a brulee in your mouth. And you have to understand for a lot of consumers that are my guys, they never smoke a Baccarat. They don't smoke a Nat Sherman host. You know what I mean? So they don't actually know on a regular basis Fair. what a sweet tip cigar actually even tastes like because mm -hmm. they don't actually smoke sweet tip cigars. They may have smoked one, you know, 15 years ago, you know, but it's not a common thing. And, you know, it's fun and it's stupid. And honestly, I have no idea how many of these are going to sell. I have no idea how many retailers are going to buy them. I mean, this may be one of the worst ideas I ever had, but it's still kind of a fun idea. So, uh, I'll, I'll tell I'll tell you, Steve. I'm I'm one of those guys. When when this cigar came out and the conversation came up when Rob was doing the review, uh, it was literally the first time I had heard the term sweet tip. I was completely un, unfamiliar with it, and so uh, it it's I'm really excited about about the sampler, uh, the idea of doing a vertical sampling. I mean, it's a very educational thing. I mean, that's kind of my, my gig is, uh, is sensory, uh, perception in general, mostly in the, in the beer industry as a career, but I love the concept of being able to go through. And, um, I, I look forward to hoping to get it right and, and be able to perceive what those levels of sweetness are. I'm, I think it's a fantastic idea. So Steve, just to jump back the, um, uh, sorry, Jordan. The, the cigars are all going to be, did we say what size or anything like that? Toro. Yeah, they're all going to be the standard 6x52 Toro. Perfect. Yeah. And um, and this is going to be available to all of your retailers. So it yeah, could any, be... Any retailer that's a Sober Mesa account is is open to ordering them. I'm, I'm Look, I don't want to limit it, but at the same time, I have no idea how many consumers are going to be interested in this. So, I mean, if... Some retailer orders a stupid amount of them, like, you know, 200 samplers. I'm probably going to say, whoa, 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 Joe, I don't think you're going to sell 200 of these. Just cool your jets a little bit here, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but I mean, at the same – because, look, it's not something I want to produce more than I need sure. to fulfill the orders for because it's not something I have any intention on selling into the future. And, you're trying uh, to prove a point. I'm trying to, I'm trying to prove a point, and I'm trying to have some fun with it. Look, and I'll also be honest, I'm – this is the funny part. I'm a purist, but I'm only a purist in the way of just wanting to be forthright with the consumer. So in other words, look, I ran a factory that made tons of sweet tip cigars. It's not like I'm ashamed of it. It's not like the consumers that buy Baccarat, buy Host, buy Java, buy Acid, buy Larotan, what? What, they're lesser consumers? No. So I'm not even opposed to making a sweet tip cigar. But if I were to do it, I would be happy to disclose it to the consumer that, oh, this is a sweet tip cigar. You know, it, it wouldn't bother me. So maybe if people love, 
you know, one of the other ones, maybe next year, somewhere down the road, and depending on how the FDA goes and depending on how all the flavor bands, because I don't know where sugar tips fit into the flavor band realm. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's yeah. a question, too. Question. So, like, I don't know that certain retailers will be able to order and sell these, you know, but anybody yeah. that sells acid should be able to. Anybody that sells, um, you know, Java, anybody that sells Baccarat, anybody that sells Nat Sherman Host. This should be a non-issue for them. Jordan, it's a good word. Oh, I, I look. I know that. Look, look. There's always there's going to be a few. Look, there's a few haters out there that are going to try to capitalize on it, but they're such a small minority. I Look, Brulee, actually, to be honest with you, Brulee has been way better received than I ever would have expected. I mean, it's quickly becoming one of our fastest selling brands. The growth numbers are on it are incredible. I can't keep it in stock. I mean, I'm, I'm really surprised at how well it's doing. And particularly, look, it's not a segment that I just don't smoke a lot of shade cigars. I don't smoke a lot of mild to medium cigars. I haven't been in that mode of thinking for probably since the late 80s, early 90s. Now, I have to admit, since making brulee, I actually I actually like brulee. I like I'm literally smoking typically at least one a day. It's ended up in my daily rotation, which, you know, you know, it really kind of surprises me. Because I didn't think that I would like it as much as I actually like it. And it turns out that obviously consumers do also. And it's also reaching consumers. So like Sober Mace is a medium bodied cigar, right? And in even my strong cigars, I don't make like uber super pepper bomby cigars. So even my real strong full flavor cigars, they actually can be palatable to somebody that doesn't smoke on the heaviest of the end. And... Um, but I'm just not known for making milder style cigars, you know, and I haven't been known for smoking milder style cigars. And I didn't, um, I really, uh, like I said, I'm genuinely surprised at how well Brulee is doing. I mean, I know the cigar's good. I knew it was good or it wouldn't have been put in a box. But I didn't realize how many people were going to like it and how quickly it was going to become a favorite of theirs. And how many people were going to, it's the, it's the brand that I have seen the least. So what happens when you launch a new brand is it sells really a lot, very fast. And then it sells, keeps selling a lot for a short period of time. And then it just dips down because it isn't new anymore. And then what ends up happening is if the brand is good and the blend is good, it just slowly increases over time and matriculates its way up. Hmm. And in my case, all of my brands have done that. The one that's done the worst is Totus Las Dias. It was only up 18% last year. But I mean, it's still up 18%. So it's not like it's a dog. It's still growing. Brulee has had the quickest climb from the bottom. Look, I'm still selling way more Sins. I'm selling more Mikaritas. You know, I'm, I'm even still selling, well, no, it's probably caught up with regular Sober Mesa at this point. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, Brulee is really... It's really selling a lot more than I 
would have ever guesstimated in this amount of time. So a quick question, because as, as you pointed out, you were very quick to get this out to retailers after uh, after the trade show. And then there was a little bit of a gap, as as you said, it, uh, it exceeded your expectations. Uh, once you got into that second and third order, is this... Uh, is there any other production limitations to this or are you, have you guys ramped I up? I don't have tobacco production limitations. What I have is I have the inability to properly estimate what the numbers should be Whoa. because it's escalating so quickly. Right. Like right now I, I can't make enough umbagogs and it's not that I can't, it's just every time I keep increasing production, the consumption of it's just way outpacing the production numbers and and i have to balance everything i mean i'm not made of gold so i you know when i you know and the thing is you know i like to get things made on a steady state continual basis so i don't like to make it in a batch and then have them not make it for two months and then start making it again and then so i like to have them make something every day so that means whenever i add cigars i'm adding another whole pair and when I add a whole other pair, that means I'm committing to 200 additional boxes, or in the case of Umbagog, about 400 more bundles of that one skew and that one size every month. So it's, you know, I can't take it lightly because if I'm selling just 100 more than what I'm normally selling, I really have to commit to get that 100 more, I have to commit to 400 more. Got it. Okay. And you know what? In three months' time, well, that means I sold an extra three, 400 bundles. But now I got an extra 1,200 bundles sitting in the warehouse. Right, right. Okay. So I have to try to keep things as even as I possibly can. And it's very hard when something sells a lot quicker than you expect. And it's and it's also hard because so, – so like last year we grew 98%. It was an amazing year for us. And this year, January, February, we were up 58% year to date. And then March came and COVID and it was a disaster. Sales just stopped. Okay. Middle of March to the first week of April, it was, it was ugly, ugly. It really was. It was kind of like eat a gun kind of ugly. And, um, and, but after the first week of April, things started to really click again. And, you know, and during that time, all the manufacturers are offering really deep discounts to their retailers, to the big box guys, to the small guys, didn't matter because you were just worried. Because nothing was selling. And I ended up deciding not to do it because my attitude was, these guys don't want deals. These guys are worried about conserving cash. So me selling it for less is not going to motivate them to buy it. You know what I mean? They're they're in a cash protection mode, not, oh, this is the time to make a killing so I can make great deals. And so I ended up deciding not to. And thank God I did because – April, the end of the first week of April, things started to pick up. So in April, we ended up almost even with last April. And then May, we had our best May ever. And now in June, we've already passed last June sales today. Mm. So what are we, June 10th, June 11th? So, I mean, things are just on fire. And look, I'm I'm so thankful. I got to be honest with you. I mean, it's amazing because if you talk to me on like March 25th, I was like, oh, my God, it, it is just it was it was like it was really just ugly because you went from I mean, we literally had days where we sold like three thousand dollars out. You know what I mean? It was crazy bad. I mean, I can't tell you how ugly it was. 
Uh, the the end of March was was tough for uh, for a lot of small businesses, um, mine included. The company that the brewery that I work for, Steve, we talked about that a little bit offline, and I know Randy was dealing with a lot of the same stuff. It, but it's nice to see a rebound in uh, a lot of different industries. Um, I've noticed, and I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but I know that a lot of uh, a lot of retailers have really kind of embraced the whole curbside pickup, place your orders online, come pick it up at the shop kind of thing. So they're 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 adapting to the to the current environment to be able to move, you know, a little more inventory I than. Think, I think also a lot of people they're at home more. Sure. Yeah. They're on their back decks more. Yeah. They're drinking more. They're, they're smoking they're drinking more. more. They're smoking right. more cigars. They're, you know, what their summer plans were have all been canceled. They're not going to spend money on that. You know what I mean? They're not yeah. spending money on restaurants. They weren't spending money going to the bars. Weren't spending money on sporting events. They're not having to pay for Johnny's T-ball or for Susie's summer camp because all those things have been canceled. Yep. So oddly enough, for a lot of people that didn't lose their jobs, they actually have more free money. And then for some of the people that lost their jobs because of the way the unemployment benefits were set up, yep. some of those people are actually making more money being unemployed. Now, and having I, a lot more time to smoke. <laughs> what I worry about is what happens, you know, two, three months from now when those extra unemployment benefits wear off and they've spent through all of their Trump bucks and they go, Oh wow! I don't have a job. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be sock any of my money for God's sake. You know what I mean? So yeah, I'm still even though right now things look like unbelievable, I'm genuinely worried, and I've got other problems too. We're not. I know that like you've seen like on media the stories about the factories opening back up, but that's not what's actually happening on the ground right now. In Nicaragua, they're talking about shutting the factories down. Mm. Because this coronavirus has started to hit them much, much harder than it was a month ago. And they're actually having conversations about possibly shutting some of these buildings down for two or three weeks straight. Mm -hmm. uh, because they have a lot of cases of pneumonia right now in Nicaragua. And so I've got that. And then the other problem I'm having is I'm having serious logistical problems. I'm having problems getting tobacco that I purchased into the country. I'm having problems getting printed materials because the printers were closed and then the printers opened back up. But the guy that supplies the ink was closed and the guy that supplies the powders closed. And like, I've been waiting for two months for a particular paper from a particular paper vendor for cigar rings. You know what I mean? That I like to use. Um, so there's a lot. And then just even getting cigars from the country has been a real problem. So like my April 16th shipment, it didn't arrive until five weeks late because there's just not enough cargo space. Yeah. The port was closed for a while. Most of the major airlines are not flying in and out of Central America. So now you're fighting for scrappy space on some shitbox Guatemalan airline. But you're fighting with everybody else to get that cargo space. So what normally would be like, oh, yeah, we need to ship something on Friday. You contact them on Tuesday and it would end up on a plane Friday, Saturday. You're now contacting them on Tuesday. And they may not end up on a plane for four Tuesdays. Yeah. yeah. So it's become much, much messier than it's ever been before. And that's also causing a bit of uh, turmoil. Like we got brulee delivered in mass last Thursday, I think. And there's some boxes that I'm already under like 150 of each, you know, Wow, or, wow. Or yeah, I had a thousand of each. And now I'm already through like 85% of it in just three, four days time. 
you know, filling back orders. And same thing with Ombagaga, Ombagaga. I'm like, and I, and I even, I was talking, my wife is integral to the business. Um, I was even asking her tonight, I was like, babe, should I just order 5,000 bundles of every Ombagaga? And she's like, you look at the sales numbers, and you're like, yes. But then you go, oh, my God, you know how much money that is? Mm. You know what I mean? To bring yeah. in, you know, 30,000 bundles of a cigar. I mean, it's not – I mean, I got to pay these bills. These factories aren't doing it as charitable work. And <laughs> as I'm consuming the tobacco, that means I got to pay the tobacco guys more money for more tobacco to replace the tobacco for the future. So it's just – this very uneven, unknown environment has made the business really, really complex. And then you add another element onto it. You have the fact that prices are crashing everywhere because so many people got so – first off, we had a problem last year price-wise because so many of the big guys overproduced that they had to liquidate so much inventory. So prices were already cratering last year. On, I mean, there's a lot of brands that used to be $12 cigars that are now $4 cigars, courtesy mm -hmm. of these companies pumping these things out below cost because they so desperately want to get their money back out of the finished goods they made. And then we come into this year, you're thinking, okay, this is going to get even. And then you have the COVID situation. And now everybody panics again. I mean, there are quite a few, there are quite a few manufacturers. Don't ask me. Talk to retailers. They will tell you how many calls they get continuously offering them unbelievably inexpensive deals. Hmm. So you've got the market flooded with a lot of very low price product. Well, how does that affect me? I don't make low price product. Okay. I'm not a cheap date. I don't want to be a cheap date. You know what I mean? Cause for me, my attitude is look, if I can't make enough money to cover what it takes to make it consistently then I'd rather not sell it. It's just that simple. But what does that mean? Does it mean the guys that like my stuff are going to continue to be willing to pay for it? Or are they going to go, well, wow, I can get a Leva V for half off. Mm -hmm. I can get, you know, I like, I like this brulee. It's a great cigar, but it's $12, $13. I can get a Monte Cristo white, you know, from a big box guy for $4. Now, in my opinion, the Monte Cristo white isn't as good as a brulee, but is a brulee eight dollars better? You know, I I think it is, but I mean, <laughs> but I mean honestly, that's you know I can't answer those questions. So this is such a tumultuous landscape; it's really really hard to know yeah, what's yeah. going to happen. No, it's uh, it's interesting, it, and we talk about that in the beer industry, and I think just about every industry um, that's kind of a, a small business handmade even though beer isn't necessarily handmade product uh we talk about buy local and support local um in a way that's what you're saying is very similar where you want to like support your local retailer and your local retailer is going to you know hopefully support the companies that are uh you know that are doing uh, doing things the right way when you start talking about the big box stuff and you can get these things at half off and and that's a great deal to find and people are going to take advantage of that but ultimately we hope that uh, that folks can you know support their local shops because I can tell you from experience if you don't support your local shops and and purchase from them and maybe spend a couple extra bucks you're going to lose your local shops. Yeah, but you say that and at the same time, look, a lot of people don't have local shops to begin with. It's true. There's a lot of places in this country you always hear about food deserts, 
they're cigar deserts where there are no local shops or they have local shops, but their owners suck. And they basically have the same brands that were on the shelf, you know, 20 years ago. And the sad part is those same brands are the ones that are available online that are, you know, anywhere from 40 to 70% off. So they're trying to sell the customer something that really is not, you know, there's no price at least, at least if you buy Sober Mesa, you don't get a deep discount buying it from one of the big guys. You know what I mean? And a lot of that has to do with how we manage. We don't give them deep deals. If we didn't, You have to understand, these big companies, the only reason they're able to extend the deep deals to the consumer is because the manufacturer gave them a deep deal. Yeah. Okay? That's the only reason why. Now, is that because the manufacturer was always overcharging and ripping their customers off? Is that because the manufacturer is just so overproduced that they know it's going to take them two years to sell through what they have? And it's just they're worried about ever getting any money out of it. Are they, hey, it's COVID and we're not selling any cigars. It's March 25th. And just like Saka wants to eat a gun. Well, I have 1,500 employees that I got to get paychecks to. So if we have to lose money to just get some cash in the door, yeah, you know what? sell 5,000 boxes of XYZ for half of what it costs us to make because we just desperately need the money. We've already spent the money to make the cigars. We've already spent the money on the boxes. Yeah, it sucks that we're going to lose money, but we need the cash flow. So let's get it out the door because we desperately need it. So it's just, and then you got, you know, we already had the the situation with PCA and not knowing where the trade show was going to be this year. And now we have a situation where there is no trade show, you know, so we have, we don't know, not only do we not have the domestic trade show with the PCA, we don't have the, uh, we don't have the international trade show either with Dortmund, you know, and, and then we have also another thing that's really getting lost in all of this. We have this deadline of September 9th, which is the big substantial equivalency deadline. And that's going to have a major impact on a lot of companies. Yeah. And we have no resolution in any way on that. We have a major court case that's going to be heard at the federal level at the end of July. But good God, these guys in the pajamas, they may not tell us the answer until September 8th. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's a tough landscape right now. It really it's is, an man. Ugly, it's ugly, ugly, ugly <clears throat> year. That's just yeah. what it is. And another thing you want to just keep throwing fuel on the fire. It's an election year, and election years are always messed up for business, anyways. Yeah, that's true. Because too. nobody knows what's going to happen. You know, what's the what's the, what's the current administration going to do leading into the election? Are they even going to be the current administration after the election? So it's it's just 2020. I am so ready for this year to end. I mean, <laughs> honestly, I'm I'm I mean, even though our sales right now are phenomenal, I honestly don't know what they're going to be just two weeks from now. Yeah. It, it would be nice to see things stabilize in uh, in one way or another. Um, hopefully, that's uh, that's on the horizon. I mean, unfortunately, none of us really really know. But uh, one thing that it's taught me, and I said this already, and I've said it several times in other shows, is uh, as a consumer, I'm I'm much more picky about where my dollars go uh, as far as um, the retailers that I want to support, and you know, I want to keep my money as local as I can. And that's everybody has their own opinions, and I'm not telling anybody what they should do or shouldn't do. I'm just saying this is how I've uh, it's it's changed my uh, changed my buying habits uh, a bit to um, to support companies that uh, that I believe in, and even if that means I'm spending a few extra bucks uh, here and there. Um, and I, I know not everybody's in that position, but. Um, 
I'm just to me, it's it's turned me into a more thoughtful consumer, I guess. Uh, Randy, you have anything you want to? Best entrance for consumers to buy locally, because yeah. a good tobacconist does more than just sell cigars. He provides Absolutely. an environment. Absolutely. He provides an education. Um, you look, you typically they have better humidifier. They're more on top. Their inventory humidity controls because it isn't such a large scale. You know, it's much more difficult when you're in a large warehouse. Certain spots are a little more humid. Certain spots are a little less humid. Typically, a humidor isn't so large in a retail operation that you have that much range. Um, but, you know, for a lot of consumers, it isn't an option. I mean, I have a lot of customers, their local retailers won't carry my brands. Okay. You have, so they have, too really, opinionated. they have no choice, you know, but even if you feel like you feel Robbie, you don't have to buy from the big box guys. There's tons of small mom and pop retailers around the country that are more than willing to ship a phone order to somebody. Uh, yeah, a local shop. I, I say local, and I use that term maybe in air quotes. They're not necessarily local to you, but um, you know they're they're a local shop to somebody, and they are uh, more than willing to, like you said, uh, to take a phone order, take an online order. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's just it's something for me that's become um, you know just something that I pay more attention to. I, I would I would much rather. Uh, shop at a local grocer than at the local supermarket because it's it's locally owned. I want to keep my dollars in my community, and that's kind of a thing that everybody's talking about lately. But you also want to support uh, companies or that uh, that you know do things the right way. Uh, and yeah, I, I totally agree with you. It doesn't have to be local to you. Um, it could be a shop in Omaha, or yeah. I don't know why Omaha is like the is like the 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 city that I always. I use as like an example. I don't know why. I've never been to Omaha. I don't know anybody in Omaha. <laughs> it's a nice city. But I just, I, I know they used to have like the baseball world or the, the college world series was in Omaha, I think. Um, anyway, I don't know why Omaha always pops in, but shout out to Omaha. Um, you know, there's, there's local shops everywhere that, uh, that can use your dollars. And, but, you know, go where you get the, the best customer service. And, you know, if you're used to going to, uh, you know, smoke in, great place. I spend money there. They're not local to me, but, uh, you know, I, I get good customer service. They've got a great selection. So, you know, so be it. You know, find the place that works for you. And I have um, one more Eeyore comment that I want to do before I... Eeyore comment. I like that. One more Eeyore comment. Is, is this at Jordan? Is that what that means? No, no, no. <laughs> I want consumers to understand that prices are going to go up significantly. Oh. And the reason why this is going to happen is twofold. The first reason why is because the FDA user fees right now are through the roof. Because the way the FDA user fees work is the cigar, premium handmade cigar industry or the cigar industry has to contribute $68 million a year to that pool. And it's divided about against the number of imports. And because there have been far less imports, it's making the user fees on every cigar that's currently being made and imported significantly higher. I can tell you that I'm, I don't know the exact Q2 numbers, but I think that I'm going to be paying close to 22 cents a cigar. Mm. Whereas only two years ago, I was paying about four cents a cigar. Okay. That's a very significant number. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like if you're in a condo association, the, you know, associate, you know, the maintenance fees get covered by everybody in the building. So when there's 500 tenants, they get divided 500 ways. But if there's only three people in the building, those three people are screwed. It's just, <laughs> okay. So that's, that's, a, that's good a big problem. 
The second problem is because of this coronavirus crisis, almost every state is going to be gunning to raise taxes because they haven't been collecting food and beverage. They haven't been collecting hotel and accommodation taxes. They haven't been collecting the sales tax they're used to collecting. They're not collecting the gas tax they're used to collecting. And those states that have income tax haven't been collecting the income tax. At the same time, they've all increased the unemployment benefits going out the door to everybody. So they are going to have such tremendous deficit shortfalls that it's going to be a crisis mode. They are going to raise taxes on everything. And there, you know who's always enemy target number one. It's always tobacco. And I'm already starting to see a variety of states already talk about having very significant cigar tax increases. And, uh, and regretfully, I don't know... I don't know how this is going to be avoided. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a, it's going to be a bit of a problem because these these states are going to be in a world of hurt. Well, I'll tell you what. With this show being uh, a flavor focus, before we uh, let you go here, I, I would like to. I do have two questions I wanted to ask you. Uh, so you said that you, that uh, brulee has become part of your everyday um, regimen of uh, of uh, smokes. Do you ever pair? Do you have a recommended pairing? What what's your favorite thing to pair with the brulee? Um, my favorite thing is is coffee. I mean, yep. I find myself in the morning. It's just a really nice smoke with my espresso. Yep. So I, I tend to, I probably smoke more brulee with coffee than anything else. Um, I tend to be on the heavier end when it comes to brown spirits. So brulee, in my opinion, doesn't hold up to the type of uh, whiskeys that I typically sure. like, sure. like that I like to drink. So if I was going to go with like a, a whiskey, I would go with like a Glen Morangi, you know, like a like a Quinton Ruban, or I would go with like um, a Middleton, very rare, fine and rare Irish whiskey, something that's a little lighter, something that's a little smoother, more of a Speyside in the Scotch, you know what I mean? Um, and, and look, and, and this is just a general rule of thumb, anything sweet always pairs well with cigars. Yep. So mm. sweeter bourbons are going to pair better than hotter wow. bourbons or something like a rye. You know what I mean? I think the I think the rye is the cigar is going to get washed out. Mm. But I always tell consumers that they should just drink what they like and smoke what they like. So yeah, absolutely. You know, you know if they if they if they like a really potent fiery whiskey and they like brulee and they like them together, then that's the perfect pairing. Sure. But uh, but I do tend to either go really coffee and now coffee though I'm okay with the heavy coffee because the cigar kind of serves as the cream in my coffee you know what I mean I like the way it tempers that heavy coffee um but I don't like or you know another thing sometimes like if you're going like with a beer sometimes like a real heavier kind of stoutier you know porter style beer a milder creamier style sweeter style cigar compare really really well with it but um i think like i wouldn't recommend smoking a brulee with like a hyphen wisen you know what i mean yeah i, I think they would just terrible. i think the citrus yeah. and the, yeah. the lighter nature i don't think there's a complimentary yin or yang yin yang kind of thing going on with that combo but if you're talking about like a, a heavy coffee stout or a chocolate kind of porter those those are always good combinations with a milder style cigar 
Interesting. Uh, great. Uh, there was one other thing I'm really curious. Uh, as I said, I personally am very excited about the, the vertical tasting uh, with the uh, Sokka's tasting for yourself setup. Uh, I, I'm curious, have you already given this a try? Have you sweetened it, the tip of a, of a brulee and tried it for yourself? And do you have an opinion no, on, have, on it? Sure. You haven't yet. Okay. No, this is going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to look, there's nothing for me to do here because the blend's not changing. Right. So I'm not going to change the blend to make it more complimentary to work with the various sweet tip iterations. Okay. So we're just going to take, we're just going to change the way we manufacture a few thousand cigars to make these by the incorporation of the sweetener. But, you know, so for me, I've never actually tried it before. So I'm going to actually probably, and unless I'm allowed to go back to Nicaragua, Mm. I may not even get to try it before the guys in the States do. And Um, it's one of the things that is giving me a way to do something new. One of the things is I don't like to just, I don't like to do things virtually. I like to actually hold the tobacco. I like to make my own sample blends. I actually sit down at the table. I have the tobacco. I have the knife. I do all of that work myself. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of projects that were on deck for this year that are not happening mm-hmm. because I can't get back. Right. So the only things that are happening are things that were done. Blue, Sober Mesa Blue. We're releasing uh, Lonsdale and Sober Mesa. Okay. Ooh. That was done. Um you know, and I love the, I actually, the blue is my favorite of the Sober Mesa Brulees. I love the shape. It just smokes beautifully for me, but it's not going to be a big seller because the guys that smoke mild Connecticut shade cigars, they don't tend to be Lonsdale guys at all. So well, it's kind of everybody a, should be a Lonsdale guy. I, I was about to say Lonsdales are my favorite Connecticut. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited about that. I love Lonsdales too, but you ask any retailer, they're going to tell you they're not big sellers. Gotcha. Yeah. It's, it's, look, it's Robustos, it's Toros. And then oddly enough, one thing about the one thing about Connecticut shade that's a little different than the others. Churchill. Um, double Coronas are big sellers in Connecticut shade. Um, they're not in a lot of other sizes, in a lot of other styles of blends. They've kind of gone out of vogue. But for whatever reason, Connecticut shade guys tend to like that seven by 54 ish kind of format. Um, so blue was done. Uh, I'm adding two skews to Tricky Traca, you know, mm. a Toro and a, and a really a Gigantes. They were already done. You know what I mean? So those were in the can. But there were other things that were on my th- list to accomplish that were meant to be delivered later in the year that are now been pretty much wiped off my, my plans because I can't physically be there. Yeah. You know, I've been working on a version of Mike Rita, uh, a different blend that I'm going to probably band as green, uh, an even higher end, more sophisticated Mike Rita, you know, something a little extra special. I've been working on a, uh, I've been working on a, like, I'm calling it platinum, but it's not going to be called platinum. I've been working on a special Sin Compromiso, okay, that I want to add to the line. But the blend was never 100% finished. It still needs some tweaking. It still needs some adjusting. And, yeah, I could send them emails and we could have phone conversations, which I'm doing all the time, every day almost. But I, I feel weird. How can I, I can't claim that I really did it if I didn't really do it. You know what I mean? And then if it ends up screwed up, then what am I going to say? Well, the factory messed it up. You know, so there's a lot of things like that that are just kind of 
in a holding pattern. And I have some customers. I had some exclusives that were going to be made for some customers this year that I've had to regretfully say to them, I don't think it's happening. Uh, you know, I, you know, cause there's just not enough time left in the year, you know, because I haven't been allowed to go back to Nika since February. Um, and I don't know when they're going to end the travel ban into the country. Cause right now as a U.S. if you're not a Nicaraguan citizen, you can't enter the country. Wow. wow. And originally the deadline was May 1st and then they pushed it to June 1st and now they pushed it to July 1st. And I don't know when it's going to change. And now with the factories telling me they're thinking about all having to shut down, well, then what's the point of even going yep. if they're going to be shut down? So even if the U.S., if they allow us to come in, you know, in July, if the factories are shut down, then there's no point of me being there either. So it's just it's just been a very topsy-turvy year. So That's, doing this doing this STFU thing, it does give me a way to sell some cigars that don't require my personal expertise. You know what I mean? It's not like it's rocket science to say, okay, you got that cigar, make that a sweet tip cigar, make that an extra sweet tip cigar. You know what I mean? And and it's fun. I mean, like we talk about all this stuff, and it's a lot of. Uh, a, a lot of uh, doomsday Eeyore, to use your word, uh, kind of stuff. But so it's nice to have a bit of uh, influx of fun uh, into uh, an industry that uh, could probably use it right about now. So I, I think that uh, you know it's it, it is uh, it's an interesting project. I'm uh, I'm I'm really appreciative that you reached out to us today to talk about this. Uh, I know a lot of people are looking forward to it. We've had several comments. I know, Steve. You probably can't see the comments no, uh, in the chat. Uh, a lot of comments have been marbles. What do they think? No, they. Well, there's a lot of people are excited about it. Um, <laughs> uh, somebody just chimed in. STFU. What did I miss? Well, you'll have to go back and, and check out the beginning. <laughs> but uh, there, there's been several requests for a, uh, a Saka Dumbarton and a dojo collaboration. So be prepared for Eric to be hitting you up about that. That's just a warning. I have no dog in that fight, just letting you know. Um, Steve, we really do appreciate you taking the time. Randy and I are gonna talk a little bit about this pairing, so we'll let you go. But uh, thanks so much for taking the time and, uh, and chatting with us and being so candid. Really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I really appreciate the opportunity, guys. And you guys all have a great night. You too. And give Jordan hey, a pay raise so he can afford a cigar. Uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> Thanks so much, Steve. Appreciate it. Bye. Uh, Jordan's the butt of uh, a lot of jokes tonight. It's the skinny jeans, I think. Um, <clears throat> the skinny jeans might be a little too tight, but uh, it's actually, Randy, we have we have a unique opportunity here. The I believe the audio from Colorado has fallen off, so we can say whatever we want, and they can't stop us. Wow, that's fantastic. Oh, you know what? Yeah, it's uh, one of those uh, Skype glitches. Uh, well, that was that was awesome. Honestly, I'm you know me. I'm uh, all about any type any time you can get a uh, a uh, an exercise of uh, flavor experience where you can do comparisons and vertical tastings. Um, I'm always all about that because you know it's something I always say. Uh, you know, I, I've devoted my life to flavor basically. And so, but I, you know, I'm always learning more. That's what's so poetic. <laughs> uh, well, but you know me, my I, life to flavor. I love it. <laughs> uh, but I, but I love learning. You know, I, I, I love the the idea that uh, again, as I as I told Steve, when you guys told me that you were all certain that this was sweet tipped, 
Um, I literally had, I think I texted you and was like, I'm not familiar with the term. Like, what does that even really mean? Um, and, and I'm not a flavored cigar guy, uh, as a general whole. And, and it's funny because I, I feel like I am, uh, kind of a, a Saka flavor kind of guy. I like the big, bold flavors. I loved when the firecracker came out and then he, he developed the, uh, tricky Chaka line as a, uh, as a way to expand on that, uh, for a, a really, really full flavored, uh, Maduro cigar. I love this sober Mesa. Uh, I think I told you when, when you did the review, I, I really don't care if it is sweet tipped, it's delicious. So, uh, you know, however you, however you have to get it done to make the consumer enjoy it. Um, I'm all for it. You're not cheating. You're not trying. I'm one of those guys. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I love it. That's such a great phrase. It, it's funny. You know, when I, I, I did the review of, of sober Mesa and this was, I uh, got probably about a, just about a year ago. Uh, maybe a year ago, August, when uh, the cigar first came out, and yeah. and uh, I was working on my review, and the the number I came to, I really like the cigar, but the the rating that it comes to is an 87, and I think uh, people look at an 87 and think, oh, that's trash. Like, no, 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 an 87 is a really damn good cigar. Agreed. Yeah. And yeah, that, that uh, is something that you fight with with the reviewing. <laughs> it, it is. Yeah. It, and it's you know it's. It, we we have a we have a scoring system here at the dojo, and you guys see it in every review that we do. I've only done one, but uh, when you <laughs> see everybody else's reviews, you'll see there's a ton of uh, of breakdown as to how we we come to the score that we come to. And Randy, one thing we do in reviews is I'm going to pull uh, everything back here. We offer pairing recommendations, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at my review now. If you pull up uh, cigardojo.com, search Sobre Mesa Brulee, maybe just type in Brulee, it'll come up. My pairing recommendation, the first thing I offered was light roast coffee with cream. That nice. was my pairing recommendation. And we're, we're going to get into this. We're probably going to do a bit of a truncated uh, uh, description of our pairings. I'm going with a medium roast coffee. Did you, what, uh, did you go light, medium, dark? Yeah, no. Uh, so I actually chose a um, Arabica uh, K- Colombian medium roast. Um, which, which uh, yeah, uh, I feel like, um, you know, and, and ha- had we not had uh, a guest, I was going to do a whole synopsis on on the different varietals and, and roast levels. But but what I, but I was going to say of, of Colombian, you, you know, you find with Central American coffees, uh, you get a bit more of that that earth and chocolate and leather characteristic versus, uh, say, uh, an Ethiopian, um, which has a higher acidity. A um, little bit brighter character, um, you, you get more of that like fruity uh, uh, notes, whether it be blueberry or mango that you, that you can pick up in, in certain higher acidity coffees. I I, I prefer the the Central American roasty, chocolatey uh, ones, but uh, but the the creamer obviously adds a, a a sweetness to the coffee as well as that that milky character that I think goes phenomenally well with this cigar yeah i i went with um a a local uh, coffee roaster here called phil's coffee out of san francisco oh yeah randy i'm sure you're familiar with phil's and i I went with uh and they'll ship pretty much anywhere in the country you just go to phil'scoffee.com not affiliated just letting you guys know um i went with uh tesora which is their medium blend and that's kind of their flagship coffee uh the way that i understand it i'm relatively new to phil's but uh, they don't really break down what is in this blend, unfortunately, but uh, they give you uh, a, they give you kind of a tasting of it. It's uh, aromas of uh, caramel nuts and butter, which 
is uh, exactly what I was looking for. I think uh, as we get into the pairing here, I think that the creamer, as much as I love it, may mm -hmm. have uh, affected the pairing in a negative way for me. Okay. You know, I think that if, and much like Steve was saying, going with, and I'm right down to the nub here, I don't have much left on my cigar, but going with something, Steve goes with a, an espresso uh, roast, he says, if I would have gone, I think, just straight black coffee with this blend, kind of, a, uh, it's a medium roast, but uh, full body and, and, uh, and full flavored coffee, I think it would have been a much better pairing. Yep. The, 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 um, <clears throat> the creamer, for whatever reason, which I, I love it, uh, it, it kind of, I don't know, watered things down for me. What do you think? Uh, I respect your opinion. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I respectfully I, disagree. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. For, for, for me, for my palate, uh, this is it's a, it's a kind of specific pairing for me. This isn't normally something, you know, I'm not going to finish the night with a, with this cigar. Absolutely. Uh, it, it's, it's definitely one I, I enjoy in the morning. I enjoy it uh, on the golf course. I, I almost always smoke a sober mesa while uh, uh, brulee specifically uh, while golfing. Um, something I've that, uh, seen you golf, you might need to uh, maybe switch up your cigar while you're golfing. This wow. might have too much flavor <laughs> for you while you're golfing. You might need to go something lighter because, whoo boy. Yeah, you are, thanks, uh, thanks, jerk. You are everywhere. <laughs> You're everywhere but the fairway, buddy. I've, uh, I've seen. <clears throat> I, I I just need to warm up, you know, in the first nine holes or so. Uh, <laughs> the first the first seventy two holes. Well, after that, I'm great. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, I'm, no, I'm right no, there. No, it's uh, it, yeah. So for for me, just to keep with the show, I am gonna give it a thumbs up. Sounds like you're going thumbs down on the pairing. Is that I am. accurate? Okay. I am. I don't, I don't know if we, we get thumbs up and thumbs down graphics with, oh, look at that. Uh, so, um, yeah, this is fantastic. But I did really, I, I, I do uh, appreciate and respect your, your opinion on that and liked the, um, the argument that Steve made that this lends that creaminess yeah. uh, with, with the dark coffee. And so maybe you uh, maybe the pairing resonates in a certain way where where they hold each other up more where I, I was just really enjoying the, the flavor hook of that cream in, in both components. Uh, I, I, I am interested and I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, <laughs> I'm going to be awake for the rest of the week, much like <laughs> me, Bob. Yeah. It, it, yeah. If it's three in the morning, shoot me a text, buddy. We'll just chat. I'm going to be awake. I, too. I was going to say, Barry, Barry, I'll see you on the, uh, virtual lounge after this Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> into the wee hours of the night. But, um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm definitely going to try that out. Uh, it, you know, hit the espresso tomorrow morning with, with one of these and I'll, I'll re-smoke it and, and see how that comes out. But, but I do enjoy this. I, I, I think it's a, a fantastic and fun pairing. And um, and I agree, 87 is still a damn good cigar in the way we oh, look at cigars. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, and no, I totally, totally agree. And for me, like this is Robbie, this did is you do your thumb? <clears throat> I did thumbs down. Oh, Jordan, we can hear you. Jordan's yeah, back. Thumbs down for me. Um, and it's not to say that the cigar isn't good, or the coffee isn't good, or the creamer isn't good. There, everything's very good. To me, it was a little bit overboard on the sweetness. Um, <clears throat> I wouldn't go so far as to say cloying, but uh, but pretty close for me where it's a detractor uh, from the pairing. I think the, the coffee loses a bit and the um, the cigar loses a bit. I'd like to go with the cigar that uh, it, it, this is very, very sweet. It's and, and we say sweet, relatively speaking, right? It's not like 
sweet like I'm eating a spoonful of sugar. It's it's sweet in another sense, in the, in, in the tobacco sweetness. So um, for me, going with uh, just a, a all black coffee to me would have been um, would have been a much better pairing, and, and maybe that would have worked out better for me anyway. Um, but I do love the cigar. I, I enjoy it more, I think, every time I smoke it. And it's, it's one of those where I smoke it and I always find myself, I'm like consistently buying five packs of it. Like I get down and I buy another one. I should just break down and buy a box, but I need to find my favorite size. I'm not sure what my favorite size is. I think it's probably the Toro. I'm smoking the, uh, where did I smoke today? It's a Robusto. It was the Robusto size, I think. Uh, I think the Toro just lasts a little bit longer. And it's kind of weird, like with, with shade wrapped cigars, I'm cool with them being longer smokes. And I think it's just because they're not as strong. They're not as overpowering where right. I can, uh, I can smoke that for about two hours and I'm cool with it. Uh, yeah, it doesn't blow out your palate the same way. Yeah. You can get uh, palate fatigue from, from the stronger flavors. I, I I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm most certainly going to nub this thing down. Obviously, uh, you know, the, the Hoya de Nicaragua, um, right uh, par- with you. yeah. <laughs> uh, partnership that Dumbarton has, these are phenomenally, uh, uh, constructed cigars. I had a, a ding near three three inch ash before it fell on this one today, um, but I, I I gotta say I, I really enjoyed uh, something Saka said about um, about uh, flavor perception, and and he's he's a hundred percent right. He made the reference about uh, cigars, but it's uh, very true in beer as well that uh, the vanilla addition often uh, kind of is perceived in the in your uh, olfactory, uh, you know your your aroma sensors, um, and it comes off as more chocolatey. I I don't know a single chocolate beer that doesn't use a little vanilla as a as a, a as a way to kind of amplify that. And and you know what one example I always thought was funny was uh, pumpkin beers is another one that very very few and they're not as popular today as they were, uh, you know, 10 years ago. But you, you remember, I mean, every brewery made a, a pumpkin beer at some point. Cons- and- consumers have gotten smarter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but the, uh, but, but it's funny because very, very rarely would a brewery actually roast pumpkin and add it to the beer. And in my homebrew trials and experience experiments w- with roasting, uh, pumpkin is pumpkin alone gives very very little flavor once uh once fermented out uh it doesn't it's a kind of a subtle flavor that uh that doesn't uh, continue on into the finished beer and so all those pumpkin beers were basically just pumpkin spices that kind of trigger those those flavor memories of a pumpkin pie which sure drive someone to think pumpkin even though pumpkin was never actually used in the in the brewing process so um i i i enjoyed that he, that he said that and and i i really do recommend you know i see there's a lot of uh pu- pumpkin would be an adjunct tanner thank you very much i i appreciate you uh bringing it full circle for us uh, <laughs> because it has fermentable sugars um right Yes, exactly, exactly. Otherwise, it wouldn't be an adjunct. Be right, right. The, the spices are flavor uh, additions. Uh, pumpkin would exactly not only be an adjunct, but it's also why the flavor doesn't uh, stay with it. It's because all the pumpkin sugars and uh, get fermented out in, in the process. Oh, but I also, also uh, really 
Yeah, yeah. The camera work was god awful. But if you're interested in in hearing uh, Steve's explanation for the sweetness in in this cigar and the choice of wrappers that he used, I do recommend going back to the Cigar Dojo interview that Rob did with Saka during IPCPR upon its release. It was very informative. I loved that interview, and he talked about uh, the, the the color sorting, and he talked about the grades of tobacco, and actually indicated that um, that he uses what is referred to as as the second grade. I think it was one and two, right? I think it was, so, yeah. uh, where where the the one grade tobacco is technically a more a higher quality tobacco, if you will. Um, and he's choosing the B because he felt like the color had more honey brown rather than uh, yellow and had that sweeter character. And then he also uh, talked about the, the aging of the tobacco uh, lending to some of the bitterness that Connecticut's are so well known for uh, it kind of mellows out and allows that sweetness to be more prevalent. Yeah, we had a, a couple of, uh, of interviews with Steve. We did two. I recommend watching both of them. One of them was uh, significantly longer than the other, but uh, they're both very informative. Um, as as you know, whenever Steve is uh, is on the show, and I, I had a feeling it was going to happen tonight, and it did. He has an awful lot to say. He doesn't pull any punches either, which is um, is interesting. It gives you uh, a bit of a. Uh, um, it gives the the average consumer, I think, a bit of a, a peek behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's I've worked on both sides of this industry, so there's maybe some things that I take for granted that uh, that a lot of folks don't know. And I'm not saying that that makes me special. It's just that Steve is one of the few people who's who's uh, quick to point out a lot of that stuff, uh, some of the shortcomings of the industry and things that he um, that we have to deal with. Um, Just a quick heads up. Steve will be back on the dojo smoke night live Friday, June 19th. So not this coming Friday, a week from this coming. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, hopefully Randy, once these, uh, I, I don't think Steve mentioned it, but these are this, uh, this STFU, uh, sampler he's hoping to have, uh, in the country sometime this fall. So, uh, I, I know it's going to be available for retailers to pick up starting tomorrow, but it's going to take a little bit of time for it to get here. But hopefully when it does, um, maybe we can do something on flavor odyssey to uh, talk about you know, try some of the different, uh, different, oh, uh, I would love ideas. that. I, I think I, that might be, that might be kind of fun to do that. Yeah. Maybe use one of our, uh, our wildcard episodes to, sure. uh, maybe light a couple of those and, or maybe you smoke one and, and I smoke one. We can kind of compare yeah. the, the, the levels of sweetness and, and see what we think. See if, uh, he's convinced you that he doesn't actually sweeten tip the original. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, you know, it's funny, man. When, when we first, when I first smoked these, I was convinced and now I'm convinced that they aren't. It's uh, it's it's interesting. Um, yeah, I feel I like Eric was really the only one that gave full, uh, admitted a hundred percent that he was sure they were sweet tipped. All three of you were sure they were sweet tipped. <laughs> hey, was, hey, we weren't the only guys. Like Abe, no, Abe no. DeBabna, a bunch of other people also said that. I don't know if you guys can hear me or not. Yeah, but I can hear you, Eric. I know. I don't know if the people on Facebook can hear me or not because you guys could hear me all along. But I. Hey man, I I'm just saying what I feel like. It just seemed yeah. like to me like it was a it was a no brainer. But then I admittedly said, you know, after that I tasted it less and less and less. So I don't know. Yeah. And ah, uh, you backpedaled a little bit. 
It's, it, it's funny. Randy's trying to stand on some uh, pulpit of truth when he just didn't know what sweet tip was. So it's it had nothing. It had it's, it had nothing to do with whether you thought it was or it wasn't. You just had no idea. So you're just kind of rolling with that, and that's cool. I'm Fair not enough. taking anything away from you. Um, so boys, we've got uh, we've got some some news coming up tomorrow and some stuff going on Friday. What's going on? With, All right. So uh, if you dojo? if you are part of the Dojo Nation, tomorrow oh. is a very 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 big day. So just pay attention to the Dojo website. Tomorrow night there is a Drew Estate free freestyle live on Facebook, starting at like um, seven o'clock Eastern. Uh, you're not going to want to miss that. And then Friday night, um, Pedro Gomez, uh, Drew Estate's uh, product spokesman, will be on our show talking about some amazing news. So this is a huge week for the dojo. Let's just put it that way. It's a huge week, and you're not going to want to miss a second of it. So it's going to be exciting for everybody who's part of Dojo Nation. Everybody. It's going to be amazing. Jordan, am I right? Oh, my gosh, yes. But I don't think anybody can hear me, so. <laughs> well, I, I don't know who. I, I can hear both of you. I know it's going to be exciting for Hall of Famers and non-Hall of Famers alike. Ouch. So we are going to uh, just <laughs> <laughs> Randy and the participation trophy. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't go an episode without you pulling that out, so I had to bring it up. Appreciate um, that's so what she said. That's uh, that's that's. <laughs> hey now, Whoa. family show, skinny Whoa. jeans. That is uh, that's going to be uh, pretty exciting. Next week, Randy, <clears throat> on Flavor Odyssey, we are wrapping up. See what I did there? Wrapping up our uh, our journey for the perfect pairing with the Connecticut rapper. We are featuring a very specific cigar, the Rose of Sharon Desert Rose from our good friends at Southern Draw, and we are going to be pairing that particular beer, Randy, with a Pilsner-style lager. That's so great. that's going to be uh, a very fun episode. Uh, love the stuff coming out of, uh, of Southern Draw, and uh, as you guys know from season one, we love our beer. We uh, will let you know what we're pairing with uh, as, uh, as the show gets closer, but we encourage you guys, just pick up any Pilsner that you like. What is it that you like to drink? And uh, find something that's maybe it's the local brewery that makes a really nice one. Um, maybe it's, you know, something that's or Pilsner or Quell, like we've featured before. Fantastic beer. Could be anything in between. So uh, any Pilsner that works for you. And we're going with the uh, Rose of Sharon, Desert Rose. Phenomenal, phenomenal cigar. I smoked another one over the weekend. Really, really love it. Uh, hey, Ro- Robbie, work. Robbie, hold on. Uh, scoreboard real quick. Uh, we've had the uh, Sober Mesa Brulee with coffee and cream. We've had the Numero Uno with a Chardonnay, and we have had the Perdomo Champagne 10th Anniversary with a Moscow Mule. Your scoreboard at this point, how would you rank those pairings? For me, personally, I'm going to go the Uno with Chardonnay, the Champagne with the Moscow Mule, and the Sobre Mesa with the creamed coffee. I think if we would have gone regular coffee, I'd, that would probably be my second. But that Uno with the Chardonnay was eye-opening to me. Yep. What about uh, you, Ray? Yeah, I'm going to – I'm going to – I am going to agree with you with the number one. Uh, the the Just for the simple fact, like you said, the eye-opening, um, you know, how well they went when we weren't really sure that they were going to go well, 
kind of made that more impactful, I think. Uh, and the numero uno, I, all, all four of the Connecticut's were smoking, in my opinion, are, are, are the world class. We chose them for a reason. They're, uh, in my opinion, the top four Connecticut's on the market, um, or of the top four at the very least. And, um, and so I, I mean, I agree with you on number one. I'm going to switch it up, though. I'm going to say this is my second uh, favorite pairing with, with Connecticut is the coffee with cream. And then the um, the Moscow Mule is a great pairing with uh, Connecticut. I'd say for my style, it'd be more for a real uh, hot day as that Moscow Mule is so dang refreshing. Um, but, uh, but it's going to come in third at this point of the scoreboard. Yeah. That's, you know, I mean, there's no accounting for taste, so. Um, yeah, you just don't know what I'm, tastes good, I guess. I, I know, that's fair. That's fair. It's totally fair. Uh, so, yeah, so next week we'll be back. Uh, Rose of Sharon Desert Rose with Pilsner. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, check out the dojo tomorrow for some big news. And Friday is going to be a blast. We'll see you guys. Uh, everybody stay safe, stay healthy, be kind to each other. We'll check you next week as the Odyssey continues. Thank <laughs> you.